0: Good morning. It's good to see everyone here today. It's such a pleasure and a um, blessing to be together on the first day of the week. If you're visiting with us, we want you to know that we are glad that you're here. We hope you'll stay around afterwards that we can meet you and greet you and be back tonight at 6 o'clock as we continue our worship together. Have you ever had that experience where you can't remember if you took your medicine or not? This morning, I got here to services and for the life of me, I cannot remember if I took my medicine. And so I thought, if I haven't taken it, it's going to be bad. If I take another dose, I'm going to be extremely drowsy. And so I thought, I better be safe and take the extra dose. And so I have had people go to sleep over the years while I was preaching. In fact, many, many people have gone to sleep over the years while I have been preaching, I have never personally gone to sleep while I was preaching. And so, if that happens today, it will be the first time. I want to discuss a question this morning that is of the utmost importance. And that question is, is one church just as good as another? Now, many people would answer yes to that question. Many people would say, just choose your church and I will choose My church is the language they would use. And sometimes you will see signs that will say, attend the church of your choice this Sunday. In fact, it used to be very common to see signs such as this. I was driving down the interstate one day, and on the back of a semi-truck, the two doors that closed had this sign on the back, attend the church of your choice this Sunday. And that seems like the American way. We are all about choice. When it comes to food, it's all about choice. If you don't like McDonald's, then you can go to Wendy's. If you don't like Wendy's, then you can go to Burger King. And someone else will come along and say, well, I will take a Crystal Burger any day over the ones that you have mentioned. But you know, in the realm of fast food, that's okay. You can have your place, and I can have my place, and that is perfectly all right. But the question this morning is, is it all right when it comes to the matter of the church for you to have your church, and me to have my church, as as we would use the language. Because, you know, I'm really not concerned about what America thinks about this question. I want to know what God thinks about the answer to this question. And if I could ask the Lord this morning, God, is one church as good as another? I wouldn't wait for Him to answer me audibly, because God doesn't reveal Himself to us in that way today. But God has answered this question for us, and He's answered it emphatically, and He's answered it clearly in His book, the Bible. And fortunately, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we have a glimpse of how God would answer the question, is one church as good as another? Romans chapter 15 says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning Now, when he mentions that, he's talking about things in the Old Testament. The things that were written in the Old Testament were written for our learning in the New Testament period in the church. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to go back to the Old Testament to lay a foundation and draw some principles to help us answer the question, in the New Testament church age, is one church as good as? as another. We're going to begin with the question this morning from Genesis chapter 4. Was one sacrifice just as good as another? Now, you remember the story. Cain and Abel, both of them brought sacrifices to God. And the Bible tells us in verse number 3 that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Abel also brought but he brought of his flock, the firstlings of the fat of his flock. Now, I want you to notice they both brought a sacrifice. They brought two different things. One brought an animal sacrifice. One brought a a grain sacrifice from the ground. But I want you to notice the Bible says that the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain he did not have respect. Now, here's the question. Was one sacrifice just as good as another sacrifice in the eyes of God in Genesis chapter 4? Or was it the case that one was acceptable and the other was rejected? Now, to ask the question is to answer it if you read the text, because it comes right out and says Cain's offering was not respected. It was not accepted by God. And so, we start and we ask the question this morning, why? Why did God not accept Cain's offering? And in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, the Bible says, By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, what does that mean? By faith. Well, we learned in Romans 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so, what that means is, God had said to them, they had heard from God what they wanted, and we learned that Abel offered that, and Cain did not. Cain offered that which was not a bloody sacrifice. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And this is what we want to get it mattered to God whether Cain brought the specified sacrifice. God didn't look at it and say, well, you know, one sacrifice is is just as good as another. As long as you were sincere, as long as you had me in mind, as long as it was sacrificial, it's okay. I'm not going to make a big deal over it. That is not what God said. All right, let's look at a second principle or account from the Old Testament. This is from Genesis chapter 6, and we want to ask the question, was one wood just as good as another wood when it came to building the ark? Now, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 14, God said to Noah, Noah, I want you to make an ark out of gopher wood. Gopher wood. Now, was one wood just as good as another? Did, did Noah have the right, did he have the luxury to say, well, God said gopher wood, but wood is wood. You know, I think I'm going to choose knotty pine instead. Or I think I'm going to use cedar wood because we're going to be in this ark a long time and cedar smells really, really good and my wife likes cedar and so that's the way we're going to, to do it. Friends, Noah didn't have the right to change the wood. One wood was not just as good in the eyes of God as another. Well, what about this? Could Noah have changed the size of the ark? Was one size just as good as another? If you look at verse 15 of Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says, This is the fashion that you shall make the the ark. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. The breadth of the ark shall be 50 cubits. The height of the ark shall be 30 cubits. Now, did Noah have the right to say, well... God said this specific size, these specific dimensions, but, you know, one size is just as good as another. I know He said 300 cubits in length, but I think 250 would be sufficient. You know, we're still building an ark, and it's still the right kind of wood, and God is just not going to get all worked up over 50 cubits. You know, what kind of God do you think He is? Can't you imagine hearing someone say, the love of God is bigger than 50 cubits? Can't you hear somebody say that? But Noah knew the answer to the question. And in Genesis 6 and verse 22, the Bible says, Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. You see, Noah understood one wood was not just as good as another. One size was not just as good as another. Well, let's do a third one. In Leviticus chapter 10 was one fire just as good as another fire. Now... You're very familiar with this story. This is Nadab and Abihu. They were the sons of Aaron, the high priest. And the Bible says that they offered strange fire unto the Lord. The New King James says, profane fire. Now, somebody might say, well, you know, fire is fire, right? God doesn't care whether it's this kind of fire or that kind of fire, as long as it's fire and it's offered in His direction with a sincere heart, right? Well, when you read Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 2, the Bible Bible says after they did this, that fire went out from the Lord and devoured Nadab and Abihu. You see, one fire was not just as good as another fire in the eyes of God. God specified the type of fire He wanted. Nadab and Abihu had not paid attention to the details. They offered to God a different type of fire other than that which He requested, and it cost them their very lives. Well, in Numbers chapter 21 was one cure just as good as another cure. Now, you may remember what happens in Numbers chapter 21. The children of Israel were complaining. They weren't grateful for what God had given them. And so they complained about their circumstances. They didn't like the food. They didn't like this. They wanted the things they had back in Egypt. And the Lord got fed up with it. And the Lord sent fiery serpents, that is, snakes, into the midst of them, and they started biting the people, and people were dying in large numbers. And they began to beg for a cure. And so the Lord said to to Moses, this is what you do. Numbers 21, 8 and 9, he said, I want you to make a serpent, a snake, out of brass, and I want you to put it on a pole and put the pole in the ground and tell them, just go and look at the pole. If you will do that, go look at the pole, then you will be saved. the, The snake bite will be cured if you will go and look at the brass serpent. Now, I want you to suppose this. Suppose that someone, one of these Israelites, heard this information, and he said, Moses, do you think you and your little group of people who look on this brass serpent are the only ones who are going to be cured of the snake bite? Do you really think you're the only ones... What would Moses have said if someone had said that to him? I don't know what he would have said. He might would have said, I don't know what to tell you. God said to look at the brass serpent. That's the only cure he ever mentioned. And so for us to try to come up with an alternate cure is without divine authority. And if you think that that is arrogant or narrow-minded, I don't know what to tell you. I can't help that. All I know is God said if we're going to be healed, this is how you do it. The one and only way that God gave us was this. If we're going to be healed by the snake bite, we've got to go and we've got to look at the brass serpent. One cure was not as good as another cure. Well, in Joshua chapter 2, was one house just as good as another house. Now, you may remember, in Joshua chapter 2, you've got the account of Rahab the harlot. Rahab, because she had helped the spies, they made a deal with her. They said to her, when we come to attack the city, if you and your family will go into your house and you will hang a red ribbon or a a scarlet uh, um, cord out of your window, then we will know that it's you and we will not attack or kill anyone in that particular apartment, that particular house." And it is if and only if you will do this, and if and only if you are all in that particular house. Joshua 2 and verse 18 says, You shall bring your father and your mother and your brothers and sisters and all of your father's household into your house. That is, don't let them stay in their own house. Take them into your house and make sure you hang a scarlet cord from the window. Verse 19 says, Whosoever should go, shall go out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. But whoever is in the house, that is the one specific location that is your house, the one with the scarlet cord, that is the only location. If they leave that, then we're not going to be held responsible because we told you. Now, here's the question. Was one house just as good as another house What if they said, well, we were in the one next door. And, you know, we also had a scarlet cord, but but it was next door. It was not her house. Was one house just as good as another house for those who wanted to be protected, or was there one and only one place that God promised they would be spared? Here's another one. Was one God just as good as another God in 1 Kings chapter 12? Now, in 1 Kings chapter 12, we have King Jeroboam. King Jeroboam was the original mass marketer to people who want to have things done their own way in religion. You know, we have folks today who will formulate a church based on survey results. That is, they will go out into the community and they will say, what would you like to see in a church? What kind of church do you want? And whatever people say they want, that's what they do to make people happy. Well, Jeroboam was kind of the first of the kind. Whatever worked, whatever it took to keep the people happy, that's what he was going to do. And so Jeroboam said, I'm a little bit concerned because the people in the northern tribes, they might go down to the south, to the southern area, to Jerusalem to worship. And he said, I'm afraid that if they go down there, they might decide they like it there and they might stay and then they'll decide they don't need me and they will kill me. And so, 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 28, the scripture reading this morning, the Bible says, the king took counsel. That is, he asked advice about this. What should I do about this? How should I handle this? And then, based on the advice he got, he made two golden calves. And he said to the people, it is too far and too inconvenient to go way down to Jerusalem. He said, I've made you two gods, I've put one in Dan, one in Bethel. That is two different locations so that it is convenient. And he said, these are the gods who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Now, here's the question. Was one god just as good as another god? In First Kings chapter 12 and verse 30, the Bible says, this thing was a sin. It was sinful for Jeroboam to suggest that one God is just as good as another God, and that the God of heaven was no different from these gods that he had come up with. Well, if you stay in the same chapter, you can ask the question, was one tribe just as good as another tribe? 1 Kings 12 and verse 31 says, Jeroboam made a house of high places, and he made priests from the lowest of the people, He made priests from people who were not from the tribe of Levi. Now, according to Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 8, God had separated the tribe of Levi to be the priestly people. They did the priest function. Jeroboam came along and said, it doesn't really matter. You don't have to be from Levi. You can be from other tribes. One tribe is just as good as another. But God did not accept that. Same chapter. Let's ask the question, was one month just as good as another month? In verse 32, the Bible says, Jeroboam ordained a feast. On the eighth month, the fifteenth day of the month, he made a feast like unto the one that God had designed. Verse 33 says, in the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised in his own heart. That is, he said, one month is just as good as as another month. It doesn't matter what God has said. I have decided in my own heart, this is what I'm going to do. But Proverbs 28 verse 26 says, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. And so what I learned from First Kings chapter 12 is one month is not just as good as another. One tribe was not as good as another. One God is not as good as another. We've already learned one house, one cure, one fire, one wood, one sacrifice is not as good as another. Let's do one more. One river was not just as good as another in 2 Kings chapter 5. In 2 Kings 5, we read about a military man whose name was Naaman. Naaman had leprosy. His flesh was going to rot off of his body and a slow and a painful death if something was not done about it. And so, there was a little captive maiden, a captive girl from Israel, and she said to this man, I know where you can find a cure. She said, there is a man in Israel, he's a prophet of God, and if you'll go see that man, you can find a cure." Well, he didn't want to go see him. Instead, what he does is he has his king from Syria write a letter to the king of Israel to try to work this out. So what he does first is he goes to the wrong source. One source was not as good as another. Well, finally, he ends up going to the prophet Elisha, and he stands outside of Elisha's house, and a messenger comes out and says to Naaman, this is what you do. He said, if you want to get rid of your leprosy, go and dip seven times in the Jordan River, and when you come up, he said, on the seventh time, your flesh will be like that of a little baby. And Naaman says, the Jordan River, the Jordan River, that's a filthy, nasty river. In 2 Kings 5 and verse 12, he says, how about the Abana River? or the Farpar River in Syria, he said, can't I dip in one of those and be clean? Those are far better rivers. He suggests that one river is as good as another. In fact, he suggests these rivers are better than the river that God specified. But friends, no other river was better. No other river was even as good as that which God specified. All right, with that foundation from the Old Testament before us, and we could do a lot more... But I want to ask the question, is one church just as good as another? Now, we've already seen that God can be very exclusive at times. Rahab's house was the only house where salvation could be guaranteed from the battle. The church of God is called the house of God in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, and it is the only location where salvation from sin will be guaranteed. And if you're a member of that church, and a faithful member of that church, then you are guaranteed that you will be safe on the day of judgment. Friends, in Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to find a list uh, that identifies God's body and God's church as the same thing. In fact, throughout the book of Ephesians, we're going to find some things to help us answer the question, is one church just as good as another? In Ephesians chapter 4, there are seven ones that are listed. He says in Ephesians 4.4, there is one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, and then he mentions one hope of your calling. So we can ask the question, is one God just as good as another? Well, we've already answered that. The answer to that is no. Is one Lord just as good as another? Is one Jesus? In other words, the answer is no. Is one spirit just as good as another? Of course not. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. Test them, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Well, if one God is not as good, one Lord is not as good, one spirit is not as good, what about the other ones listed here? Let's ask the question, is one body just as good as another? I don't know if you've ever been asked this question before, but I've been asked this question many times in my life. Does a person have to be a member of the Church of Christ in order to be saved? Have you ever been asked that question? How do you answer that question? You don't want people to get angry at you. How do you answer this? You don't have to be mean-spirited. But I want to suggest to you a couple of possibilities. One way that you can answer this question is this. You could say, well, friend, that is an excellent question. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that everyone in the world is going to be saved? Well, no, I don't believe everyone is going to be saved. Well, how do you determine who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved? Is it just by human opinion? Do you say, these are going to be saved. These are not going to be... Well, no, I don't believe that. I, it's, it's based on the Bible. It's, it, the Bible tells us. All right? Then I would say we're on common ground. I'm like you. I believe whoever does what the Bible says will be saved, and whoever does not do what the Bible says will be lost. Would you sit down with me and let's study what the Bible says a person has to do? When could we set up a time and study what the Bible says? Or you might answer it this way. You might say... I believe the same thing that Jesus believed about who's going to heaven. In Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he mentions religious people. Because there are a lot of religious people who say they're going to go to heaven, who say they've done many wonderful works, who preached in the name of Jesus. But Jesus comes right out and says that that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to heaven. He says the only ones who are going are those who have done the will of the Father who is in heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but, listen here, he who does the will of my Father. When would be a good time that we could sit down and study that and see what the will of the Father is? When you get to the book of Ephesians, you're going to find three simple passages that really help us to answer the question, is one church as good as another. But there's one thing that is very fundamental when you answer this question. In fact, before you answer this question, you have to establish this. When we use the term Church of Christ, we don't necessarily mean what people are hearing it to mean in their minds. Sometimes when people hear the term Church of Christ, they interpret it in the denominational sense. Here's the problem. You've got people in the world and they look around and they see all the different churches. They see Catholics and Presbyterians and Methodists and Lutherans and Church of Christ and Church of Nazarenes and Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and on and on we go. And they lump the Church of Christ as one big denomination amidst all the other denominations. That is, we have our brand of denomination, and you've got your brand of denomination. And when we talk about the Church of Christ, they take it that we are talking about our denomination. Ladies and gentlemen, if we could get in a time machine, and we could go back to Acts chapter 2, to some of the very first converts to Christianity, imagine the conversation we would have with them. I stop one of them, and I say to them, I see that you were just baptized. Why did you do that? Well, I was baptized for the remission of sins. Well, I heard you say something about now being a member of the church. I want to know, and all my friends who have come with me, we want to know which denomination did you join? What would that person on the day of Pentecost say to you? They might say, what do you mean a a denomination? I want to know which denomination. There are so many, I want to know which one you joined. That person might say, I don't know what you're talking about, because now there are so many, but at that time, there weren't any. There weren't any denominations. That person would say, I don't know what you're talking about. All I know is I'm a member of Christ church. The one that belongs to Jesus Christ, the church of Christ, the church belonging to Jesus Christ. I don't know how I can be any more clear than that. That might be what they say. You see, friends, when we use the term church of Christ, we're not talking about a denomination. We're not even talking about a name. We're not trying to get people to leave their denomination and join our denomination. We're trying to get people to leave denominationalism completely and just be a member of the church that belongs to Christ. That's what the term church of Christ means. The church that belongs to Christ. We're saying, let's leave all denominations and just go back to Acts chapter 2 and be a part of the church that preceded all the denominations of the world. The one that Paul is referring to in Romans sixteen sixteen when he says, the churches of Christ salute you. Now that's our question. Do I have to be a member of that religious body in order to be saved? I want to close out with these three verses from the book of Ephesians that will help us answer this question this morning. The first one is from Ephesians 5 and verse 23. Now, sometimes I ask people to picture this in their minds, but since I'm using PowerPoint, I'm going to put this up here for you. I want you to look at this circle this circle this morning represents the body of Christ. I want you to let it represent the body of Christ. Next to this body of Christ, we have a stick man. This stick man is standing outside of the body of Christ. Is that significant? Yes. If you saw my saw the sermon I did recently, you already know why. But The circle is the body of Christ. The man is standing outside of the body of Christ. Now here's our verse, Ephesians 5.23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. He's the head of the church, the Savior of the body. Now I want you to think about this man. He is standing outside of the circle. The circle represents the church, which is the body. Only those who are in the body, who are in the church, are going to be saved. But this man is outside of the body. So what does this man need to do? He needs to get into the one body. That is, the body of Jesus Christ. And I say one body because we already noticed in Ephesians 4 and verse 4, there's only one body. So he can't opt to go stand in another circle. I could draw lots of circles. He can't stand in any of those other circles. He has to stand in the one that is the one body. All right? Now, I want you to listen to another passage. This is Ephesians 1 and verse 22. The Bible says there that God has put all things under Christ's feet and given Him to be the head over all things. Now, listen carefully. To the church, to the church, which is His body. Jesus is the Savior of the singular body. A man has to be a part of the body in order to be saved. If he remains outside of that body, he will be lost. And according to this passage, the body is the church. The body and the church are the same thing. They are interchangeable. And so, Ephesians 5.23, Christ is the Savior of the church, which is His body. He is the Savior of the church of Christ, That's what it means, the church belonging to Christ, the body belonging to Christ. And so, if a person will be a part of that body, he is a part of the called out, the saved, the institution that belongs to Jesus Christ. Friends, this morning, one church is not as good as another church because one body is not as good as another body. If I were to tell you this morning, I'm going to take off my watch, and I'm going to lay it up here on the pulpit. And then I said to you, I want you to come up here and choose the watch of your choice. What would you say? You would say, well, Don, what are you talking about? There's only one watch. How can I choose the watch of my choice? Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Friends, the church of Christ is the one that he built. The Bible only speaks of one. Is it possible to be a member of that church today? And the answer is, yes it is. How? And the answer to that is, the same way that it was then, the same way that they did it. In Acts 2.23, Peter said to repent, and, or Acts 2.38, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And in verse 47, they that did that were added to, quote, the church. Not a denomination because denominations didn't exist. They had not come along yet and did not come along for hundreds of years after that. They were simply Christians. And that's what we want to be this morning. Simply Christians. A part of the church that belongs to Jesus Christ. And that's our appeal this morning. Would you be a part of the church that belongs to Jesus Christ the same way that they did it at that point in time? If you want to do that, the way they did it was by hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized. And the same thing is true for us today. Nothing has changed in 2,200 years. Maybe this morning you want to do that. We're ready to assist you. Maybe you say, I want to study more about that. I disagree with you. We would be delighted to study with you. Maybe you're here as a member of the Lord's church and you've not been faithful, but maybe this morning you want to make some corrections in your life and you desire the prayers of your brethren on your behalf. We would be very honored to do that. This morning, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, won't you come as together we stand and sing the invitation song?